Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy Giallo January. And yes, that is a reference to the Music Box Theater's uh, Giallo January Festival going on right now. We'll talk more about that uh, coming up. But for right now, Academia Giallo is in session for 2024, and we have a full class, which is one of the reasons we're uh, probably 30 seconds uh, late to, to getting on here. Apologies, everybody. Um, I'll, I'll write up tardy slips for everyone. Wait a second. No, I can't say I'm the principal. I'm, I'm merely the student. I have this talented, wonderful faculty uh, here with us today to talk about uh, Sergio Martino's 1971 thriller, The Case of the Scorpion's Tale. Uh, I'm very excited to get into this movie. Um, in looking over the Master Giallo list of films that we talk about, that we've been talking about for about four years now on this show, uh, it occurs to me that Sergio Martino is the second most discussed director on Academia Giallo, I believe followed only by Sergio Lindsay. Argento. Hmm? By Lindsay, right? No. Oh. No. <laughs> What are you doing? Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Um, I was going to say something. I totally lost my train of thought. So uh, while I get back on track, huh, uh, let's go around the, the, the virtual room here and, and say who we all are. Uh, I am Ian Simmons of Kicking the Seat. Thank you uh, for, for joining us here on the live stream. Uh, we have John Kitley of Kitley's Crypt. Blake Fakara of Scored to Death back here for, for the new year. You've been quite busy. Uh, and I, I do want to pull over towards the end and talk about, if you can talk about, some progress you made uh, on a little project you've been working on for quite a while. It's very exciting. Um, we got AC, Aaron Christensen of Horror, Horror 101 with Dr. AC. And we have Brian Martinez here, not only on time, not late, but early to, to be in the green, right? room, green room with us by about a half a minute awesome of uh, the Giallo room. So welcome, everybody. I'm Which, very happy to talk about this. Unfortunately, oh, I made everybody late by being early. So. <laughs> uh, no, I, I would have messed it up, too, because I forgot to drop some important information about the show to the rest of the crew beforehand, because it's all been swirling around in my head and not actually communicating to people, which is, you know, it's a danger. Uh, we have our first comment of the day. Jonas Hallberg says, hi, guys. Hi, hi Jonas. Jonas. Happy New Hello. Year. Uh, it's it's almost the end of January, but I'm going to keep saying that because, you know, it's it's January. It can be Happy New Year all the time. Um, okay, so today we are talking about the case of the Scorpion's Tail. Um, it, this movie was uh, nuts. Um, it wasn't nuts in the way that it's like a crazy, unhinged giallo film like we've talked about, um, even certain other Martinos. I think the last... 10 minutes almost derailed the entire thing for me, but um, only in a, I can't tell if this was intentional or rushed or if there was some kind of a shooting circumstance. I've got questions. I'm hoping y'all can straighten me out so that I can appreciate all of this movie from beginning to end as I hope the rest of you do. So as we do every month or every other month on Academia Giallo, whenever we get together, let's go around and talk about our first experiences with the case of the scorpion's tail, Mr. Kitley, you are first uh, to my right or left. I, I'm all turned around. Talk to us about your experience with the scorpion or its tail. Honestly, I don't remember the first time when I seen this. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20 years ago when everything was coming out on DVD, because that's the copy I have is just a normal DVD. Um but and again, it's one of those things, once you get into this kind of subgenre, you start getting anything and everything you can, especially if it's from Sergio Martino. So it, it has been a long time since the first time I'd seen it. It's been a long time since the last time I'd seen it, other than a couple of days ago. But uh, I again, I, it's, it's a nice entry in the Jalo um, guidebook, I would say. I love the score to this film. It's probably oh, yeah. one of my favorite scores. Um, yeah, I, it's a it's a good film, and 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 the sad part is it's not usually one that comes up on right. a lot of conversations, which is a shame. Oh, I'm gonna okay. Thank you. I remember what I was going to say. The train is back on the tracks, but I am going to derail the conversation. Ironically enough. Um, because you said something about how this is not really a movie that's talked about, uh, you know, with as much frequency as you might hope for or expect. I watched a little film this week uh, called Don't Look Now. 
which we had discussed as possibly talking about on the film. And there was some back and forth in the email thread about, I'm not sure if this is like quite giallo or giallo enough. And uh, it's going to be really depressing at the end. I, I have to ask, do I need to start implementing regular drug tests for the faculty of this uh, this esteemed institution? Because I love Don't Look Now. It is giallo, okay? Look, it's it. okay, you've got a killer running around Italy. You've got a couple undergoing like crazy relationship about. problems. What? That's not what it's, the story is about. It definitely the, the end of the film. I I think Donald Sutherland's character would would uh, that's why it was a question mark. Okay. I really liked your episode, by the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and also, and look, not only J and B Scotch, Mr. Christensen. Oh, geez, oh Brian gosh. just left. What? See, <laughs> Brian, you, you just now pissed Brian him. off. He's gone. <laughs> and I tell you what, this train couldn't be more derailed than if it was in a muck train. <laughs> well. Um, I, I, I was thinking of Amok Time, which is a Star Trek episode, I think. Anyway, yeah. but look, AC, yeah. here's the true test. Okay. Not only do you have J&B in the movie, you got three little bottles of J&B, which I had never seen before. Mm. Okay, so Giallo through and through. Wait a second. J&B oh. doth not a Giallo make. <laughs> I, I disagree, sir, because... It, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Professor Brian, what are you doing? Anyway, <laughs> the audio podcast of this is going to be amazing. Um, so, anyhow, I'm just I'm just giving you guys a little bit of guff because I was really kind of hesitant. I watched it, and I think, okay, maybe to your point, AC, I think a lot of the hallmarks are there. Maybe it doesn't stitch together as an official giallo in some folks' estimation, which I totally respect, uh, because it is more of a relationship drama about grief and not specifically about a murder case. And if I could, if I could throw in something, on. this was something we said way back when, because we were trying to, like, when we were first starting this series, we were talking about kind of what the elements of Giallo were. And yeah. yes, there are, you know, black glove killers and J&B and, you know, uh, great women in peril. Uh, but I think one of the things we talked about is it's more about the feel. Like, there's a feel to a Giallo. And Don't Look Now does not feel like a Giallo for me at all. It feels like something else. It feels, you know, kind of otherworldly, in fact. And that has a lot to do with, I think, our director, Nicholas Rogue. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have that kind of same focus on mystery and, uh, no, no, sorry, not like trying to uncover a crime. There's a deep mystery throughout the film. Uh, but yeah. I don't, but the film is not about tracking down the killer. And I think that's maybe where it uh, where it diverges for me. Okay, I, at some point we are going to talk about this movie because I totally see where you're where you're coming from. I want to talk about this more, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I no, I the way you put that, I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense. I get it now. Um, as Frank Cross said at the end of Scrooge, and as Jonas Hallberg says, elements of Giallo in Don't Look Now. I think elements of Giallo should be a Giallo film. It is. Um, if it's yeah. not, wait, <laughs> just, wait, what? We're, we're, no, no. I'm saying we're going to make that movie right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Elements of Giallo. <laughs> All right. So back to the film at hand. Sorry for for confusing anyone who may have come in late. We are in <laughs> fact talking about. Are anybody still here? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. Look, we got Jonas Hallberg, buddy. Don't mess with that. Awesome. Um, okay, Blake, our returning. Uh, I was going to say our returning oral champion, but you know that was A U R A L. Wow. Whoa! Yeah, wow! Yeah, Whoa. I, I didn't want to exactly. Wow. Too early for that, man. Maybe also, in my college days. I was going to say what? Yeah, what is the how are we grading? Some curve. Hey, I don't want to know about the curve. Anyway, uh, like, <laughs> tell us about your experience with Case of the Scorpion's Tail. This was it. This is my miraculously i thought i really i just assumed i had seen it before and i watched it and i was like i don't i haven't seen this movie before wow i'd love to get your take on the the score of this film it's great <laughs> <laughs> two, two thumbs up all right um so you have seen other martino films right like i, yeah. I assume i want to see, okay yeah um but what how does that kind of fit into your i guess estimation of the rest of his canon that you've seen does this feel like right at home to you i mean kitley you described this as a nice film and i would agree 
it's not like kind of nasty and it's not all out like some of his, I guess, later work. Um, but Blake, I want to get your read on how does this fit with Martino as you know him? Well, I mean, I'm definitely not as uh, studied on him as I am other directors. I mean, to me, and this is, you know, this is just an opinion from someone who, you know, hasn't seen his probably as many as works as some of you guys and some of the people watching this and probably not as often as I've seen the films of Dargento and stuff. I mean, he seems to be a guy that doesn't have kind of as distinct of a style as someone like Argento or uh, so, but I mean, at the same time uh, it was, it's, it's gorgeous to look at the cinematography is great. The, you know, the, to set it in both London and Athens and, and really kind of exploit that uh, visually was great. Um, I mean, other than that, I, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but I think it's like a pretty standard Giallo movie and, uh, okay. which is, which is not negative at all. I mean, that's the point <laughs> of why we're yeah. here talking about it. Okay. So we've got nice, we've got standard AC. I'm going to get your take and then we'll talk, talk to Brian. Well, the first, the first time I saw it was, uh, in an October, uh, scarathon marathon so like i watched uh, like i think three martinos in a row that day so they all kind of mushed together uh this was uh, the fir first time revisiting it since then and i i really enjoyed it i think it's a, a really solid film it probably has at least as far as the series that we've done together it probably has my favorite dialogue exchanges oh, yeah. like there's yeah. just so much great just back and forth banter uh with the inspector and our investigator just the banter's great uh i really really dug it uh one of the essays called jet set giallo that's on the 2018 arrow blu-ray it talks about the fact that kind of what you just said blake that Martino doesn't necessarily have a distinctive style where you just look at a scene or whatever and go, ah, that's Martino. The hallmark, and this is not me, this is the, the moderator, but he said the hallmark of a Martino film is that it's always a really good film. Huh. Like it's always, if you're watching a, a, a movie and going, this is really good. And then you see Martino and you go, oh, of course it's really good because it's Martino. <laughs> uh, so I think that was a really kind of astute estimation because yeah, he's he's not he's looking to serve the genre or the film that he's directing. He's not looking to serve his own style. And I think that was something that was a, a really great observation. Uh, and I, I completely agree. I really enjoyed this movie. It took me. Uh, you kept catching me off guard. I was like, oh, well, well, that person's dead. So, OK. Uh, oh, that person's dead, too. And hey, well, that person's over here. So it can't be that. You know, I really enjoyed how it kind of kept me off guard. And I, I, that goes to our our screenwriter, Ernesto Gastaldi. Uh, yeah, I, I really I'm really glad. And like <laughs> several people mentioned, this isn't one that I would have been like, we have to talk about Case of Scorpion's Tale. But that will probably change in future discussions where I'll be like, people talk about Jolly and I'll be like, we need to talk about Case of Scorpion's Tale. Awesome. Brian. Yes. You in the back. <laughs> uh, first <laughs> of all, your comic you... books and answer the question. <laughs> can you guys hear me? Because I'm having oh, like, yeah. all kinds of issues uh, today. Oh, can you hear us? Technologically. No, yeah, you guys are great. I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, we can hear you. You're okay. fine. Um. Just like John, I, I discovered this film in the 2000s, back when the first uh, DVD came out, um, back when I was a manager at a music store and I could order whatever movies I wanted. Um, the, the title always struck me. I was like, this is like a cool title, you know. Um, back then, much as the case with a lot of these films, the title didn't quite match my experience. Like I, I was expecting something a lot more interesting. So back then... I just kind of gave it like a topical glance. Like it wasn't a film that I went back to a lot, you know? Um, but when the, the Arrow uh, version came out a few years back, um, you know, AC was just talking about it. Um, I kind of rediscovered it and I love this film. I, I think it's a standard Jalo. Like if, if 
I know there's websites out there and books dedicated to like the hallmarks and the, the all the little special things that make a Jalo a Jalo, the elements of it. You know, there's um, a, an airplane, uh, you know, airport scene in this film. Um, uh, there's every other scene. There's a JMB shot, you know, in this film. Um, the uh, the score is just one of my favorite uh, of uh, Nikolai's um, scores in any film. It's just so striking. It just like grabs you as soon as it comes on. It's got the Titanus uh, <laughs> production title card in the in the very beginning. Um, the you know it's got the amateur detective, all the red herrings. Um, it's got so much going for it in terms of it being a, a standard Jalo, including the Black Love Killer. You know, um, even the 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 inheritance, um, the the million dollar um, you know money plot that everybody's chasing. That's another hallmark in Jalo. So I would argue that this is like if you're ever going to like think about oh what's a what's a standard solid Jalo to introduce somebody into the genre I would actually I would throw this one in there because it's definitely it's got all the staples um, there's even a scene um, when she's uh, developing her photos and the killer breaks in there's like green lighting so you know yes. you got that going on and stuff so. It's very much um, like I agree um, and much like uh, in that the essay, that AC reference, um, the uh, the style of Martino isn't necessarily a really a style, but just the way that he shoots architecture. Right. Just the way that he presents um, all the beauty in the film, like including the the performers um, and just picturesque every every there's a scene in uh strange vice of mrs ward uh where there's a murder that takes place like in this beautiful park right he does shit like that like i, I think he um out of all the giallo filmmakers he goes for it in terms of just pure landscape and just pure like uh scope of the film um so this is one of my favorites i'm glad that we're like we landed on this one like when we were trying to pick a film for this month um and it just so happens, like it's a big uh, Martino month as well. Um, so I'm happy to discuss this film. Let's go. All right. The preamble out of the way at 18 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I no, I appreciate all all those those uh, thoughts because I think there's a great launching point for the conversation. Um, this was, as no surprise, was that a postcard or a playing card? Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have Jalo playing, playing. cards? O'Brien was playing solitaire while we were all talking. <laughs> he, he probably was. Anyway, um, oh, there you go. That's the one. Um, I This is the first time I'd seen this film, um, and I watched it in a couple of sittings. And, you know, you've, it is great being part of this series because you start seeing the, the staples, not just JMB, but also, you know, George Hilton, um, who the more I see him, the more I think he looks like Sasha Baron Cohen from the 1970s. I mean, he was probably a baby back then or something, but he's got that kind of a that kind of a face. And if they were to remake this movie, I'd want to see him play play this role. Um, I, I the I was a bit concerned because early on when we see the plane flying through the air as it's you know right before it explodes, I'm like, oh dear, that but is. You, you were you were wondering like how they were able to do that, right? Like. <laughs> Right, because like the budget I, of the film and how they effects, exploded yeah. an airplane like in mid-flight, like. Well, also because I didn't know how they got the plane all the way up to outer space because it was pitch black <laughs> sky, <laughs> no clouds or atmosphere or anything. Um, but no, there is a model plane that blows up, and I was uh, I was it's a bit so concerned. Good. I was having flashbacks to, I think when we talked about torso. There was that one effect of the knife stab through the chest where it looked like it was going to the purple Play-Doh and it kind of took me off, uh, it took me out of that, that film. Um, I was like, oh, are we back in that territory again? But it, it's, it's a couple seconds out of an otherwise, you know, really great film. And what it makes up or what it lacks maybe in some of the special effects, it makes up for it in the scenery, particularly in our climactic, um, rocky uh, pursuit Um I, you know, the story of this movie is, as Brian mentioned, kind of like standard uh, giallo, I guess. But to AC's point, people keep popping up, being suspects, and then getting horribly murdered by someone. So at the very end, I was like, really, what the hell is going on? And even when I found out who the killer was, because there's a great, you know, 
over, you know, someone's looking at something in a cave and then someone comes up behind them and then that person turns and you realize, oh my gosh, that's the killer. It's been this person all along. Then you're thinking, wait, how? And then mm -hmm. we get the nice kind of psycho style exposition later on. But uh, it's not, you know, it's not cheesy. It's not, you know, ham fisted. It all kind of makes sense. And it is all sort of brilliant. So what is this movie ultimately about? Um, there is a <clears throat> uh, there's a, a lady who whose husband um, they're, they're kind of having marital problems. His plane blows up and she is uh, supposed to be awarded a million dollars or a million pounds, I think. Million dollars. Um, is it a, mil a million dollars? But it's like, yes, they convert it. it. Yeah. For the yes. London. R right. Um, I'm, I'm so like confused on the whole exchange rate thing. I shouldn't even bother, but I should be wearing my glasses, which is great because I can't even see my IMDB down here. <laughs> While you're doing that, though, I wanted to say like this is uh, like that psycho explanation is not the only nod to psycho in this movie. Um, I thought that was interesting that, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll let you throw up the spoilers banner before we get too deep into it, because All I expect, spiral I expect people want to, uh, like the fact, the fact that like, well, like, oh, I thought we were following this person, but I guess we're not anymore. That's, that's true. Um, so who is our, um, Oh, it's it's Lisa, Lisa Baumer, uh, mm -hmm. played by Ida Galli, I guess, or I don't know if it's Ida or Ida. Um, she is the one who's, uh, you know, she's allegedly bereft, or she sh she should be, um, but she's coming into all this money, and there's a mistress that uh, she encounters, Mister Baumer's mistress, and this mistress has a henchman named Sharif, and there's also an airline stewardess. And the airline stewardess has uh, a bow of some kind. And we keep getting flashes of, you know, cutaways to these different people in different countries. And you're like, what is the significance of this? And it all kind of comes together at the end. Um, and I do love a good elaborate mystery. But essentially, the insurance company, if I have this right, uh, that's supposed to fulfill this million dollars, they send out uh, an inspector named Peter Lynch. Uh, who's played by George Hilton to kind of see what is going on with this uh, with this death and do some investigating. And he winds up finding himself in the middle of, as we see in a lot of these movies, uh, an elaborate uh, murder plot. And there's bodies falling everywhere, uh, including our uh, Lisa Baumer, who dies pretty early. I think that's one of the, the psycho references that you're mentioning, AC. And I always love it when, when we run up against that. We saw that also in, in Torso. Um, but he ends up, Peter Lynch ends up in a relationship with a, uh, a journalist named Cleo. She's the one with the, uh, the dark room and the, and the green apartment, uh, the green lit apartment, as uh, Brian alluded to earlier. And it all becomes about uh, what's going on with this money, who's killing all these people. Um, you know, we think Sharif might be behind it, but he ends up getting dispatched after um, the mistress lady is also horribly killed. Um, one mystery that I hope the panel can help me solve because I don't know if I understand it or if I miss something or if there's a deleted scene somewhere or an extended scene in a version I didn't watch. But at the end, when Basil Exposition, a.k.a. Uh, Peter Lynch, is describing his master plan to a very freaked out Cleo, she says, essentially, well, I was attacked in my apartment after we had just had you know one of our trysts. And you had forgotten your car keys, so you come back and discover that on the other side of my locked apartment door, I'm about to be murdered. And you bust in and, and the killer escapes. So if you're killing all these people, then who is it attacking me in my apartment? And he said, well, that was my partner, and I had to get rid of him. Did that happen off screen, or did I miss a body somewhere? That was the Anyone dude. in the class? Hmm? That was the dude um, that got the eye trauma. Sharif, what, no, I not, not Sharif. That, the the guy who was sitting there watching the Thanksgiving Day parade. Mm -hmm. I thought he was in Tokyo, but that's still his partner. But how did his partner get from Tokyo back to Greece to do that killing and all that? Because that was well, she was he was sending Lynch was sending her to Tokyo to meet like that. They had arranged all of that so that his partner would meet her in Tokyo and get the money. Right. I guess I'm just wondering how often it was him helping out with the killings 
and how often it was actually Peter Lynch. But was I it more than most one of the murder? time? It was Peter Lynch. Okay, so it was I think just it was that, just that one... one time we needed to throw off Cleo. So that one time he, well, I guess he sent his partner to to Tokyo. Um, he wouldn't just be like on call, like, "Hey, I need you to." Well, I also Tokyo think his partner increase. works for the airlines, so yep. like it was like his partner flies back and forth to Tokyo. <laughs> Right. I'm, I'm mostly thinking about like time because it's not like, oh, yeah, I'll be there in an hour. It's more like, wait, I got to go from here to where. Right. Um, but OK, now we did mention the J&B bottle, which is uh, it's everywhere in this movie. Comically so like everybody in this film <laughs> is an alcoholic with a very particular taste because you walk into any room and there's the bottle. I was irrationally excited and then let down during that scene. And yes, we have the spoiler banner on, folks, um, when our uh, second killer in Tokyo is attacked in his hotel room by the killer. Wait a second. Does that mean Peter Lynch went to Tokyo as well and killed his partner? Obviously. And then went back to Greece? <laughs> okay, now I'm calling bullshit on this movie. What's going on here, guys? It's it's a giallo, Ian. Just go with it. I can't for the very reason the last 10 minutes of this movie this we're gonna get to that in a second but I just realized there's a there's a JB sized hole are right next to each other obviously yes you don't look at maps I mean geez if you hold them far enough away they get really close together hey are you making fun of my eyesight again no um anyway I look when the attack happens it's great because there's a spectacular eye gouge that is done with a broken bottle. Right. And that broken bottle had green glass. And I was like, oh, my God, the J&B is no longer just a MacGuffin. <laughs> it is an actual murder weapon. But then we cut to another shot in the scene and there's the J&B bottle perfectly intact. I would like to think that this guy loved his scotch so much oh, yeah. that there was another J&B bottle that was broken open. Bottles, yeah. Of course. I only saw the one. So, you know, it's in the uncut version. <laughs> the uncut version because there's a lot of cutting going on there um so let's uh, we're jumping all around here and i promise i'm gonna let <laughs> the teachers talk during class but i gotta talk about this last 10 minutes um once the big revelation happens and our cleo is running for her life along this like beautiful rocky island you know she and peter have gone out to uh, on a boat to kind of get away from it all and let the let interpol do their work um he goes or she goes down into this underwater cave and finds the money, this million dollars that he has, you know, secreted. That sounded really terrible. Wow. But uh, it turns out he as an insurance salesman, he's tired of tracking, not salesman, but enforcer, <laughs> an agent, I guess. Uh, investigator. A, a, an investigator. That's the word I was looking for. He's tired of getting all this money for all these other people and never getting cut himself. So he saw this opportunity with this dead guy and the million dollar policy. So he decided to go nuts and get the money for himself. Um, she discovers him. There's a big chase cut to Interpol and what looks like the entire Grecian Navy on boats scouring the islands. And at one point, the one guy says, there's too many islands here. We're never going to find them. Yep. Uh, one minute later. Yep. Uh Peter is bashing Cleo's head against the rocks, and then he's riddled with bullets, whip pan around to see the entire Grecian Navy and Interpol on the rocks, like firing at them. So I literally wrote down, well, I guess we picked the right island. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the thing. Like they I saw the boat parked outside <laughs> the island, man. You know? There they, there sure. they are. <laughs> if it's one of those scenes where if they just taken out that one a lot of movies are like oh just insert a line of dialogue to explain so i think if they'd taken yep. out that line of dialogue be like well you know or maybe, had I don't it know how or many had it a are. while earlier but yeah 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 it is literally within like a minute of screen <laughs> bonkers let's start but there it, good job it, right it took me out of the movie a little bit that's why i'm saying the ending i don't know if it was rushed or if it was you know what the deal was but obviously didn't bother maybe AC anybody else as much as me. Blake, as a first time watcher of this film, were you scratching your head or was like, it's Jallo? I mean, I give a lot of, I cut a lot of slack when it comes to Jallo. I think last time I was on, we talked about, you know, the nature in which these movies were originally viewed and like mm -hmm. third pass movie theaters in Italy and how nobody really paid attention to the plot. And that's why you have these elaborate like death scenes and nudity to kind of draw attention so i was just 
I would just go with it. I, you know, I think it's also kind of worth noting that, you know, somebody needs to, when they're making this movie, somebody needs to then like, there's actually people that write dialogue that try to fit in the mouth of the person at ADR. So I think you also have to cut like some slack because somebody's like, well, you know, what's going to look like it's coming out of that person's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what, who knows what that line actually was. Uh, in, in in the native tongue of the person speaking it uh, at the time, so and I don't get caught up on those uh, kind of things when it comes to uh, Italian horror movies. Okay, I I totally understand that, and yeah, that ADR point is a good one. I think that might be the missing puzzle piece uh, when I'm trying to figure out what's up with some of this wacky dialogue. Well, yeah, they make it fit. That's that's a very good point. Um, oh, I Did wanted you do to point that out on purpose. What uh, the the, the, miss, the missing puzzle piece reference? Mm, nice. No, I didn't. But I I did think about uh, the film we talked about uh, last time, Pieces, where the inspector uh, is putting together a puzzle at his desk, and like I think it's because Pieces was in my head. I'm like, oh, that guy's definitely on the suspect list. I mean, he looks shifty and and untrustworthy, but uh, no, he was just trying to put a puzzle together. And wasn't it wasn't it Peter that put the last piece in, yeah. or was that our yeah. okay? I got him often confused with our Interpol character because they're both investigators trying to, you know, get to the bottom of something. And I feel like it's very rare that we have two kind of top dogs. Well, I've seen a lot of detective partners, but these are two guys with very different agendas. But, you know, I guess equal amounts of power trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, I did want to mention uh, Laura or Lara Florakis, played by uh, Janine Reynaud. She's the mistress I keep referring to as just as the mistress. And there is one perfect scene i had to go back and rewatch the, the the framing of it um when peter goes to visit uh laura's apartment um they get into an altercation and he ends up pursuing her and attacking her in i think it was her bedroom at one point he rears his hand back to punch her and his hand is perfectly caught by our uh interpol agent was it was his name david i get all these people mixed up I should know this. Mr. Ward. <laughs> nice. I was like, what was it? No, Brian. Um, but no, the hand is caught. It's, it's just like this beautiful bit of, of choreography. It was almost like something out of a superhero movie. I had to go back and watch that again. But if, you know, revisiting a lot of um, Sergio Martino's films recently, uh, you know, not watching the full ones, but scrubbing through, you know, the, the kind of the parts that I think are most memorable to me, um, yeah, he might not have a signature, except, yes, they're always good movies, but he always does something interesting with the camera. He's got that film school, film oh, student enthusiasm for, let's make every shot interesting. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a model plane flying through the sky, it's shot mm-hmm. through an angle. It's not like straight on or, you know, a perfect sideways, you know, standard sideways view. It's, it's from underneath it. Um, there's some like the pursuit chase that I'm that I mentioned at the end. Um, spoiler alert: Peter's death scene. Uh, it's always you, you can't look away from this movie. It's always well, very kinetic great, and exciting. Di- the uh, thing of the dialogue between Peter and David, where like the cameras like basically oh my god sh- tracking up to the ceiling and back and back and forth. I'm like that's just fun and it doesn't detract it serves the story because instead of panning back and forth we're just panning up and down i mean it's just kind of a fun experiment yeah is that the scene where it's it's completely sideways or is that a different oh that's another one yeah that's a great okay but you know i will i will say like he um he actually went to school like the university for geology so he he never like went to school for film and all that stuff you know so to have all like that's why i love all of these martino films because it's almost like um a different perspective in in terms of filmmaking like it's it's so cool to see like that one um interrogation scene or whatever where uh george hilton is talking and like you said the camera's sort of upside down and it swings back and forth like shit like that is like that's like next level filmmaking stuff you know and and for him to do it I think it's just it it speaks to a collaboration like you guys were talking about in terms of like you recording the dialogue to it afterwards and and seeing how everything fits together like I, I think it's just such a craft 
um, in and of itself, when you look at these 70s uh, Jalo films, in comparison to like, oh, well, that's the cinematographer, that's the audio guy, that's it. like, I feel like everybody worked to make this movie look exactly like it does. And it's almost maybe by accident, you know, or by experimenting certain looks of it or whatever. Like, I think it's just a cool looking film in that regard. I thought you said geology. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> he went that, there was a cla- there was like a course in that. <laughs> That's what I heard too. So there is now. Maybe that should be the name um, of this oh show. God, Giallo. Giallo I mean, <laughs> that's actually cool. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, honestly, that that is fascinating because I mean, it, it does take the geology student to not take filmmaking for granted. Oh um, no! I'm sorry. I, I the, the last one. Anyone have any more rock puns? We'll do the rule of three on this one. No. Okay. Let's get back to it. But no. It, it, so Brian, if I understand, are you saying that he never went to film school? He it just not that I'm aware of. Like he, um, I think he he started working for. Um, I want to say it's Titanus, but it might have been somebody else at the time when he was like just putting himself to, to school. Um, and then he started working on a lot of um, earlier uh, documentaries for that uh, film company, the production company. And then um, I think he started doing Westerns uh, on his own. And then like as any uh, Italian fil- filmmaker from that time did, just kind of follow the trends and then end up like doing sex comedies by the late 70s and cannibal films or whatever. So it's like, I think it's such an interesting study of like a man who has become this touted maestro you know um where like sort of where he came from and his trajectory that's why i kind of like him uh when when you know we discuss the fulci's and the argentos and the bavas and all that stuff even bava to some degree like he was always experimenting putting cameras on wagons and stuff like that just to make a certain shot look a, a certain way i think Sergio sort of that from that same you know school but not not so much a school um, in terms of trying to just make stuff look cool um, with what you have you know so I think it's just a super interesting career it is and I'm just it's amazing what you can kind of pick up just by jumping in and, and doing it um, mm. because I would not know and this is not an insult to anyone who did or did not go to film school but I would not know by watching Martino's films they never had any formal training um, maybe that's maybe he didn't learn the quote-unquote right way to do it which explains why he's always kind of like going for it and everything is sort of very right. visually gonzo and interesting because um, that might have been kind of hammered out of him I don't know I don't know about Italy, but I mean, I don't think film school per se was like a big thing until, you know, like the first generate the film school generation of American filmmakers were like Coppola and, and Scorsese yeah, like yeah. in the 60s, right. early 70s. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know about Italy. I know like in researching old things, you know, you'd find out that there was like a, an academy for, for it. But I don't think most of them did like have like a quote unquote film background until they started working in the industry. Again, that, Argento, that makes Argento, a lot of sense. I mean, even, a, even Argento was a critic before he, yeah. Right. Argento he, was a, a writer or critic before he, I don't think he mentioned ever taking actual right. film classes. I think they just got lumped into it. Well, I, I think, think they learned, they learned from watching, like they became yeah. stu- students of film and, and from that they. And Argento's into... dad was in the industry too, I right. think. Yeah. So it's it's really the other way around. Instead of going to like the film film school as an institution, right. was likely started by people who had gotten their education working in film, and then decided, hey, we're going to teach this, uh, we're going to kind of formalize this mm. uh, to the next generation. That yeah, that although Martino that got a out. got a sort of an advantage as being a jollogist, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, with this movie, what I think is. You know, there's the the nods to, you know, Hitchcock and Psycho we talked about. The fact that Peter Lynch is a, a, an insurance investigator is very film noir. Mm-hmm. Like the, mm-hmm. the protagonists in those movies are always, they're, they're, are, they're usually, they often are investigators, but they're not n- normally the law. Like, you right, know, right. Uh, but double indemnity, he's an insurance investigator. Um, you know, the, the, 
it, it's interesting when you look at the, like, it's like the parallel between what's going on in Italy and then like the French new wave, those guys who were critics that, you know, Godard and, and Truffaut that wanted to make film, you know, it all comes out of the fact that, uh, during world war two, there was no American cinema in most of Europe. So after the war was done and then after, you know, Mussolini, that's when like they got this flood of American films. And that's when you yeah. get guys like Martino and Fulci and Bava, you know, they're, these guys are like in their early twenties when all of a sudden all these Hollywood movies are available. And so yeah. of course it made like a huge uh, impression on, on the film industry. I mean, and there's the whole thing about like, there's a Northern film industry, Northern Italian film industry and a Roman Italian film industry. But, um, and that's where we get like the sword and sandal movie, the idea of like doing the mockbuster kind of like all these guys are, you know, they're in the most formative years being exposed to all these American Hollywood films. So, yeah. uh, you know, I love when we get to the Giallo films, and we start to see like kind of like the, those hallmarks of past home, uh, Hollywood movies, but through like that Italian filter, that Italian lens. Yeah. I think this movie does a really kind of great job of, you know, feeling that way. Like obviously mm -hmm. all these movies are so Italian, but you know, we see all these kind of like little hallmarks of past American art for uh, cinematic art forms. But then, you know, through this Italian lens, obviously coming off of the success of, uh, you know, Argento's animal trilogy and all that. So there's just so many things at play. And, and I think one of the things I really liked about this movie is that it, it, it has so many of the Jalla hallmarks, but yet the switching of the protagonists and the, mm. the, the homage to, Janet Lee's death and psycho, like all those things kind of also are uh, not exactly Jalo movies. So it's this great blend. And it's one of the things that I kind of really enjoyed about it. Well, the talking, you reminded me, Blake, that I'm right now in the middle of doing a lot of uh, reading up on the films of Billy Wilder. Um, and last night I started watching sunset Boulevard, which I've never seen. I'm going to finish it tonight, but the, one of the staples of Wilder's films, which he, you know, often had a hand in creatively, not just directing, but at least in, in co-writing credits, the dialogue is is zippy and kind of non-parel, even in something that is, you know, because he was a director that kind of switched genres. He could do like a like a weird comedy, like some, some like it hot, but then he'll also do, um, yeah, like something like Sunset Boulevard. And the dialogue between Peter and Cleo uh, especially through, not so much at the end, but uh, in the beginning where they're, they're doing their meet cute, even b before they have dialogue together, uh, she has a note. Uh, she pins a note to something or, or sends him a note of some kind. Um, and it says, because uh, I think she had photographed him as he was going into the police station or something. Nice. And uh, she says, it's, this is the first time a subject has become a suspect. You know, that's very cute. Um, there's some other stuff in here. Let me see. Uh, I love when um, the, the dude from Interpol, Mr. Ward, um, I call him Mr. Ward because I feel like this is a, um, a quasi sequel to Strange Vice. Sometimes when you watch it, you're like, oh, that guy is from here and he became Interpol because of this or whatever. He used to be an <laughs> ambassador, right? Like, But no, um, that one scene where... Uh, he like the hatchet is right there and he's like looks like he decided to throw down the gauntlet and then like looks at the the actress and then looks back you know it's like anybody laughing at what i just you know like it's just so funny well and that the way gaunt, the gauntlet of war I yeah, mean, it yeah, was yeah. A very, very grandiose statement <laughs> right but the way he looks at uh what's her face yep. when you know like he's just yep. like pause for laughter like, you know? that's it that's all i got you're lying. Well, there was the other bit where I think it was Peter talking about, you know, having been attacked by by the killer. Um, he said he must have been peeling a pear when his knife slipped away. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's just this. You, know, yeah. you could have any kind of you know standard throwaway line, but there's just this zippiness to so much of the dialogue in the film that it's strange to say it makes this movie <laughs> fun. 
but yes, 100 murder the murder the set pieces aren't the focus of this film they're almost like just uh, little accents here and there well and and the the inspector when he's on the phone with peter and he's like yes you have time to go to the bathroom and you can shave. I'm like, I just like the, the stuff between the inspector and Peter is just my favorite. And That's Mr. Gold. Ward, let's call him Mr. Ward. Mr. Ward <laughs> is, is uh, our Interpol agent. Like he's just kind of like, they're just like popping in little zip one-liners here and there. But really it was like, I'm like the love story between Cleo and Peter is great, but the love story between the inspector and Peter is yeah my favorite that should be a movie in and of like a actually like a series like <laughs> with those guys well that'd be a supernatural thriller at this point because uh peter was aired out on those rocks True enough. um i did i was the the ending i mentioned the last 10 minutes the last 30 seconds of this movie i i don't know it was really strange because cleo goes and she gets in this car and then all of a sudden she looks because she apparently didn't notice there was someone else sitting in the back seat. It's like, oh, it's our Interpol agent. Yeah. And he's legit <laughs> trying to put the moves on her. Like, I know you I had think a he legit is putting the moves on her. I think he's he is he's flying off with her. Oh yeah. The end. But the thing is, like, she see this I don't know what this is, but she seemed a little bit too into it, a little bit too like <laughs> male fantasy of like, you know, well, the guy she fell in love with who tried to kill her and then got shot right in front of her about 24 hours ago maybe now's my chance oh she's she likes me and they drive off into the sunset and it's all very you know the score is great i do have it's to just say strange ending this is my favorite um film of hers like anita strindberg um mm -hmm. he, she's worked with fulci she's worked um with martino in other films but i like her in this film the best i think she looks nice like i think she um she's almost like you know it, it starts with one actress and then the film ends with her so it's like um she becomes like the focal point of the entire story you know um, and she carries it well i think and if, if you see her performances in other films like for example uh your vice is a locked room and only i have the key she's like very like playing almost like the victim um to some degree uh whereas this i think she's is playing the victim but there's a scene at the end where like she discovers what peter's really into and all that like she takes the initiative to do that um so she's very much like the um like a good character in this film i, I like her in this film oh yeah i mean when she's introduced she's kind of the the sassy journalist who's jumping into yeah. bed with the the hot guy you think oh she's gonna be the next dead meat or the next you know woman in peril or whatever but yeah she does take over this film as the protagonist towards the end and it's a great kind of switcheroo um she's kind of she's kind of like a precursor to dario nicolodi's character in deep red in some way yes you know? that's i was yeah. thinking about that watching this film but also because of that that zippy kind of repartee between you know between the two leads and the, these two films came out at the same time right what profundo rosso and this is uh, 71 no, yeah profundo rosso is not oh like no no i'm thinking i'm sorry yeah i'm thinking seven i'm thinking well, i was just going to comment like how early in the cycle this movie comes out like this is this mm -hmm. is i mean crystal plumage is only 1970 like this is the next year yeah. and i think martino has like two or three but he movies. comes out like i think he's uh, he's got two or three in this year yeah right? that's what i'm saying and then, like, uh, he's got a couple in the following year, and then Torso comes out in 75, I think. Three. You know, uh, 73. So it's like, if you look at all the, that little cluster of years up to 75, yeah. um, like, he's coming out with them, like, left and right. Um, so, you know. Uh, before we go... Because I got some. Before we go, uh, wait, what? What do you? We got about? we got ten minutes left, and really? five five of those minutes, I know it flies oh, by, geez. especially when I'm rambling through the first half. Uh, mm -hmm. Apologies to the class. Um, I gotta get a dunce cap, but the because we have some a little bit of business to talk about at the end. But I do want to talk about the double whammy of deaths um, in this the kind of the middle of the film with uh, Laura and um, Sharif, because she's attacked in her apartment and gets just it's such a it's a sad and and brutal death like she gets her or she gets her throat slit and like right at the the glass window and it's kind of like mm. it's splurting all over the place and she dies you know slowly and kind of terribly but then uh sharif comes in and the killer basically if i remember correctly kind of runs him over as he's running out the the door and sharif 
follows him up these stairs to the to the rooftop and i was not reminded of friday the 13th so you'll be happy there ac i'm not going to invoke that film i guess i did so forgive me i was reminded of alien because the scene where he's going up those uh, up through the attic of this building there's a lot of dripping water and pipes and the sound kind of drops out so he's just like walking he's looking for someone or something he doesn't quite know what except that he's in danger and he also wants to he's pursuing this person at the same time as he's being pursued kind of unwittingly and but he finds this, the doll room <laughs> right well, like another hallmark of jello true but no it's just the i was thinking of the scene with uh, larry uh, larry harry dean stanton uh in the original alien when he's going into that big kind of processor room with the hanging chains and the light mm -hmm. and it looks like it's raining down on him the same kind of audio effect of the the kind of the tinkling of chains and water everything's very moist and he's like looking up and around um i don't know if ridley scott's a fan of scorpion's tail but you know they're they're great parallels someone could do like a side-by-side -side split screen but Is then morph with le leather gloves like that would be kind of cool they'd need like six long leather fingered <laughs> gloves anyhow uh when sharif ends up uh, up on this roof with the with the different um panels what do you call them shingles tiles right? tiles yes yeah. he slips and he roll tumbles down and he's hanging on to the to the end by his fingertips and of course the killer makes his way down and slices not the knuckles but just above it it looks really painful and our Shreve falls to his death spectacular because correct me if i'm wrong this was not a shitty dummy this looked like an actual stunt well, yeah, did, yeah, falling yeah. down which it's by the shocking. way is another hallmark of jello is a rooftop uh, fight scene you know true but i'm so used to just seeing shitty dummies yep. that to see an actual like because i was watching from that low angle as he fell toward me like wait his body is moving and i can see his face and he looks freaked out mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah. a it's a spectacular death it's not gruesome I and mean, we do see the body on the sidewalk and he's kind of bloody but just the horror of i experienced sharif's fear hanging from that from that rooftop i'm thinking Oh, is he going to be helped up? Is he going to find a way you know, out of this? I don't know what's going to happen, but that happened. Well, if we get back up just as be just before Lara is killed, because that whole leading into it where her apartment's being broken into, I felt like that was a really great suspenseful scene. Oh, my God. Because, yeah. You know, like, she, what can she do? She tries to, she calls Sharif, tells him to get up there. You know, he's like digging through the door with his knife. He's trying to raise the bar. Yeah. Like that whole slow-mo of her running toward the door as the bolts being pushed back, I'm like, this is really, really solid. Which, and by the way, that lock, like, I think somebody else had the same lock. Like, it's somebody, they should change that lock and that, you know. <laughs> it doesn't, it, it doesn't it work. This is, yeah. not, this is not burglar proof. <laughs> but I also thought like, there's a parallel between uh, Torso and Lara's death. Oh, you got yes. The face yeah. oh, pressed up against the, the glass. Great point. What were you going to say, John? Yeah, can I add three quick things? Yeah. I like the fact that this has taken place in the 70s, which apparently was a time it was really easy to blow up a plane. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you. Because the fact that this woman could orchestrate a bombing of a plane was right. pretty ingenious. Well, th uh, thanks for talking about this on a live stream, John, because I think we're going to get our own Interpol, own Interpol visit very soon. Well, <laughs> and speaking of Interpol, the Mr. Ward, or in the film, John Stanley, is, is uh, Albert... Alberto Di Mendoza, who's a great uh, actor that has been on a ton of European stuff. He was stuff, in uh, Horror Express as well, right? Including Horror Express and The People Who Own the Dark, co-starring Paul Nashi. Mm. And thirdly, I'm copywriting The Shitty Dummies as my new band name. <laughs> the Shitty Dummies? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I forgot his name was John Stanley, which cracks me up yeah. uh, for fans out there. John Stanley wrote the book Creature Features and um he's he's a well well noted uh horror historian and his brand of cups are flying off the shelves everywhere <laughs> sorry like 10 people will get that and they're all under 25 um okay so any <laughs> final of words are on this panel right now <laughs> what's he talking about <laughs> look up stanley cup craze and it has nothing to do with hockey um but okay any final words on uh on case of scorpion's tail I would just say, if you haven't watched this film, 
and you watched us like how dare you should like not watch <laughs> us because we're spoiling the entire thing but i do feel that like this is a great film uh for somebody that's just getting into jalo to like just kind of discover it's got an amazing soundtrack um sergio martino just has a way of utilizing his beautiful performers in every film of his and they always like end up in like if you look at this one it's got george hilton it's got I think Luigi Pistoli, I think his name is Pistili or whatever. Um, it's got Anita Strindberg. It's got um, a lot of like familiar faces that you've seen, Mr. Ward. Um, and and I think the kills are great. I think it doesn't have like it, it's an hour and a half, so it zips by. I don't I don't think it like overstays its welcome. Mm-mm. Although it does have a lot of great scenes that you can kind of get lost in because it's just like like he's like i said he just shoots landscape and architecture so beautifully um it's got everything that you would want like in a jalo rooftop fight scene a landing airplane exploding airplane it's got sex it's got violence it's got spiral staircases it's got a beautiful sound like i just love this film um and you know martino is just one of those guys that i feel like he should be talked about a lot more because i think what he's done for Italian film and Italian giallo specifically. Um, he's just created some of these amazing iconic moments in a lot of these films. And when you discover them, it's like, wow, like that's where it kind of came from. When you look at newer films and then trace back everything back to him, a geologist, right? Like not even a giallo-ist, but like somebody that was in a totally crazy opposite minded uh, career trajectory, and then he ends up doing this. It's like, wow. So, yeah. He definitely rocks. Um, sorry. He's one uh, of the kings. I would, I would also just he point rocks. out, like, I think <laughs> I, just... I think we were all kind of on the same page. I think people of, you know, our general uh, uh, generation kind of you know, when these movies started coming out on DVD from like Anchor Bay or Blue Underground and all that stuff, you know, uh, 20 years ago or whatever. Like, I, I think, you know, to, to kind of piggyback on what Brian's saying, like, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I think, oh, yeah. you know, we all kind of watched, well, we all got them and we all got into it. We watched a ton of these movies all at one time. Like AC mm-hmm. was saying, he saw it like with like three other movies, I you know, it's very easily to get lost in the shuffle. So I think if you haven't seen it for a while and you watched it back when you were, you know, discovering Jalo movies, I think it is definitely worth a revisit because I think it does have a lot of merit uh, on its own. I mean, they all do, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I think like, I just assumed I'd seen it because <laughs> it was a title I knew. And I, at right, some point right. did, you know, got into all these movies. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, I don't, I actually haven't seen this one. So it's definitely worth, even if you have seen it, mm-hmm. but it's been a long time, a revisit. Yeah. Awesome. Um, AC. I'm going to just say really quick, the, the plane sequence. I mean, I think we've given it a bit of a hard time, but that was clearly a choice on his part was to show this still or this model, whatever it is, and to cut back and forth. And I think kind of the fact that he adds in those little edits Mm -hmm. that made it go down easier. I'm like, clearly this is a stylistic choice because the whole thing could have happened off screen. Sure. You know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have detracted. I mean, it wouldn't have detracted from the story. So Martino is again, I think this movie is just full of experimentation. Like he's trying it. Let's like, let's see what would happen. I don't have the money to watch a plane blow up and I don't want to do a shitty model. So Mm -hmm. what am I going to do? Cut, 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 blam. And I was like, that's cool. Whether it yeah. works or not, I really appreciate Stylistically, it the, the effort that he put in. So memorable, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I was giving it a hard time as well, perhaps unfairly. But hey, that's what I do. I'm a student. I'm, I'm <laughs> but a humble, humble servant, servant of the genre. Uh, Mr. Kitley, final, final word on the case. Um, just watch the film. I mean, if it's got Martino's name on it, it's probably going to be, it's definitely going to be worth seeing. And I think this one excels more than most because of the cast. And it's it's a good film. It's really worth seeing. Yes, I agree. Um, despite my numerous questions about that last 10 minutes. Um, all right. I want to end. Uh, well, before we end, end, we've got thank you guys from Agitation Free. Love Woo! this one. Thank you, Agitation Free. Um, 
Blake, I mentioned before we get to the kind of the announcements about uh, Giallo and all this, what's going on in Chicago this week. What what have you been up to? It's you've been MIA, but you've also been very busy working on some cool stuff. Can you tell us what's going on with uh, with Scored to Death, the documentary? Well, I spent uh, the end of the summer into early fall. I spent about four weeks in California uh, doing interviews. So I think we have most of probably what interviews we're going to get. We got, we we have so far somewhere in the ballpark of like 19 or 20. There's really just like just a few more composers I'd like to get if I can. Um, been talking to some of the Italian guys, but I don't know if that's going to work out. I've been talking to Fritzy and... Mm. Um, Simonetti, who both want to do it, but who knows? <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, now I'm starting to. When I got back from California, I was just, it was very stressful. So I, I kind of mm. took some time off. But now that the new year, I'm kind of diving back in and starting to go through all the footage that we have and figure out what we need. But on top of that, there's the Score to Death album that um, is done. Uh, completed i have boxes and boxes of them filling my tiny apartment <laughs> and uh so uh that was also an experience it ended up being really producing two major projects at one time but so uh i'm working on trying to figure out how to get the album out to all the backers that already kind of purchased it um so uh in the near future, uh, the the backers will be hearing from me as we try to work all that out. And then there's a lot of copies left over. So um, after those orders are filled, uh, they will be distributed elsewhere. So uh, kind of working on that because uh, got a lot. We have some extra albums, and still all the movie is going to go toward all the money that's made from those albums is going to go towards the making of the movie. But super proud of how the album come out came out it's really cool sounds great it's a great lineup of composers from steve moore uh wojciech Golchevsky, uh jerry smith the band anima morte does a fabio was that does a uh fritzy uh Tem- bixio tempera tune uh the band voyager holly amber church alan howworth does a track richard christie uh myself so it's uh it's a great collection of uh, horror movie themes kind of reimagined for a, uh, a, what I think is a good purpose, which is raising money to make a movie about horror film music. Nice. Hey, Jay, Jay Blake, is that going to be available digitally? There's going to be no digital release, just uh, a limited amount of CDs and vinyl albums. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I, I backed the campaign. I, think i put myself down for an album too so i can't wait to get my hands on it um then i need to get an actual turntable so i can play it and listen to it but that's a whole other adventure whole other adventure but uh yeah best of luck in continuing to to push that out to fruition very exciting stuff and we hope that you'll be able to join us i know you're crazy busy with all that but join us uh again here in in class um so before we go i know we're running a little bit over time appreciate everyone staying after um, the Music Box Theater, as I alluded to earlier, is uh, winding down uh, Giallo January or January Giallo. I can't remember the, the order. But if you're in Chicago, particularly, um, wait a second. Uh, hold on, Jonas. Got to get you in here. I like this one. Saw it on DVD. No Shame. Okay, no Shame, that's, that's the one. Yeah. That's, yes, that's... it's a nice movie. It's a standard movie, and you should watch it with no shame. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so if you're in the Chicagoland area or if you plan to get to or if you had no plans to get to, but you would like to see director extraordinaire, the maestro Sergio Martino in person presenting two of his top jolly to the adoring public, get your butts down to Chicago, Illinois, because tomorrow night um, he's going to be at the music box showing Torso with a Q&A afterwards. And the following night on Tuesday, he's going to be showing The Strange Vice of Mrs. Wart ward featuring mr ward who we've been discussing in this episode and doing a q a after that so uh tickets and all that information will be down below in the description i know a number of us are going to be there it's gonna be very exciting a uh, couple of e- evenings and um yeah i i will say 
couple of programming notes. Uh, we are going to be going every other month with Academia Giallo uh, for 2024. I'm scaling back uh, a bit on kicking the seat. Still going ahead with all the series that I do, but it's a lot to do in one month, particularly with a day job and a family. So I'm going to start alternating. So we'll be back uh, in March, I think, uh, talking about another Giallo film. But as a bit of a tease, there may be a little something extra uh, between now. Extracurricular? Extracurricular. <laughs> yes. Uh, credit. coming soon extra credit no because that implies that i'm going to make the audience work for it i'm not going to do that i'm going to this is this is uh this is something special Bonus. that if it yes uh, if it works out <laughs> and you know knocking on my uh press board wood desk uh we're gonna have something very special to share with you in the very near future so stay tuned for that subscribe to the channel uh like this live stream if you like this live stream and please please right now as we're ending support all of my esteemed faculty, colleagues, and dare I say friends in their various endeavors, which are also linked down below. Um, this has been Academia Giallo, The Case of the Scorpion's Tale from 1971, directed by the incomparable Sergio Martino. Thank you, everybody. Uh, uh oh, Brian, just the real bell rings. quick, there's going to be a complimentary episode um, in the Giallo room for Case of the Scorpion's Tale as well. So tune we've, in for we've that. Been, we've been complimenting it enough. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I see. No. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but yes, definitely check out the Giallo Room. I believe yeah, the link's uh, down below, so all that information will be there. Uh, Jonas Hallberg, thank you. And until next time, whenever that is, whatever that is, thanks very much for hanging out, and uh, take care, everybody. Class dismissed. Class. Oh, yes, class dismissed. I was looking up for the end stream, and I forgot. To... What's my own tagline? Exactly. <laughs>